a commission that Jesus Christ gave us as disciples. Would you look at this with me? Luke chapter 19. I'm not only going to read this scripture, but I'm going to talk about this scripture. We're going to go through this thing, and we're going to look at what Jesus is saying here. How many of you believe the Bible? Say amen. 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 I'm glad of that. I do too. I love the Bible, God's Word. Makes all the difference, doesn't it? Yes. Who cares what I say? I'm nobody. But what Jesus says is mighty important. Amen? amen? amen. Mighty important. So let's look at Luke chapter 19. And this is a story, a parable that Jesus gave. And this illustrates a truth that is present, that is, that is uh, um, applicable to today. It fits with 2020. Can you believe that? I almost said 19. 2020. This parable, this story that Jesus tells, fits perfectly with what's going on today. Let's look at this and see if we can learn something from it. All right? You ready? If you can, please stand with me out of respect for the Word of God as I read it to you. Luke 19, verse number 11. Now, the story before is the story of Zacchaeus. That's an awesome story. Don't read that now. Read that when you get home, okay? Let's look at verse 11 and follow along as I read this to you. Luke 19, 11. And when they had heard these things, he added and spake a parable. All right? Parable means it didn't really happen, but it's a story to illustrate a truth, right? Because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. Notice that. The Jews wanted the Messiah to bring the kingdom immediately. And that's what they were thinking was going to happen. So Jesus tells this story to help them understand the timing here that's going on and then their position in it. Verse 12, He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, what did he say? Let's say it. Occupy till I come, right? You've heard this, maybe some of you. Great. Verse 14. But his citizens, what was their attitude? They hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said, Likewise to him, be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up that thou layest not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. And he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou thy money into the bank, that at thy, my coming I might have required mine own with usury. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you that every one which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that he hath, shall be taken away. But those mine enemies which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them 
before me. And I'm going to preach out of this passage, this story, this parable that Jesus told to illustrate a great truth. Now some of you right away are saying, oh no, here comes a sermon on money. Wrong. Not a sermon on money. No. No. A greater truth than that. There are some things more important than money. You know that, don't you? Amen. Amen. Actually, quite a few things more important than money. We're going to look at this parable and learn from it. Let's pray first. Thank you. You may be seated. The parable of the nobleman who leaves his estate in care of the servants and goes away and returns. Interesting story. And we could talk about this a long time, and I don't have the time to do that. So I'll get into the story as quickly as I can. As I mentioned, this story Jesus told was to correct the false idea that the kingdom of heaven was coming immediately. It was not. We know that. It hasn't come yet. It will. The kingdom of the Lord is coming one of these days soon. I anticipate that soon. But the Jews thought it was right then. They thought that Christ was going to kick out the Romans and Israel was going to take back over the land and take over the world. That's what they wanted more than anything. They hated those Romans. They hated the taxes and Caesar and the soldiers and all of that. But that's not what the purpose was that Jesus came. And he is the Christ, the Messiah, and he will set up his kingdom, but that hasn't happened yet. And so he's telling this story for one reason, to dispel that idea that the kingdom would happen immediately. Another reason that Jesus told the story is to illustrate that the nobleman was going away on a prolonged absence to receive his kingdom and then return in triumph, and that illustrated what truly was going on right then. So let's look at this. First of all, I want you to see the preparation. The preparation that the nobleman made in this story. He called his ten servants in and gave them each a pound and commanded them to occupy till he returns. You understand that? They're to care, to take care of his property, his business, not just to maintain it, but to gain a profit, right? The reason that the the nobleman owned that property and what he expected because he was good at it was to make a profit, to be profitable in that uh, estate that he owned, that kingdom there. And, of course, he was going to get another kingdom as well. And so he wanted his servants to do a good job of continuing to make that profitable for his estate, his kingdom. And so he gives them each a pound as an investment. Notice that he gives each one of them the same amount, a pound. Now, in the story of the talents, he gives differing amounts because that illustrates a different truth. And I'm going to tell you what this is here in a minute. But notice this pound that he gives them, each one of them the same. You say, well, what does this pound represent? Money? And I've already answered that for you. No. This is not a lesson about money. And the pound that was given to these servants does not represent money. What Jesus is illustrating here is an investment that this nobleman made into these servants while he was gone for them to use so that they could become profitable. And it's not money. More important than money. And like I said, you know there's things more important than money, right? Last night, my daughter, who's staying with us right now, had a sick child, her second 
child, sick, been sick for a while, and crying. You know how that is. She's four, I think. Four years old. Penelope. My daughters love the throwback names. Isn't that something? We call her Poppy. She's as cute as she can be, but boy, she was suffering last night. And my wife said to her, Katie, maybe you better take her in. She's complaining about her ear hurting, and it's been too long. She's had fever for almost a week now. And Land said, no more messing around. Get her in. And my daughter's husband isn't providing for them, and that's a whole other story. And we handed her the credit card and said, we don't care about money. Get it done. Right? Go to the doctor. Get that girl looked at. We can't allow this to go on any longer. There's sometimes there's things more important than money, right? Actually, there's a lot of things more important than money. Oh, how I wish our politicians would realize that. Amen? There's things more important than money. And so Jesus is illustrating this, and the pound that he's giving them does not represent money. What does it represent? It represents something more important than money, and in this case, it represents the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The truth that I've already talked about, that Jesus died on Calvary's cross to save us from our sins. Thank God for that. How many of you know that that's the greatest thing that's ever happened to you in your life when you got saved? Say amen. Amen. Raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Praise God for that. I'm so thankful I'm saved. Though my dad's a preacher and my mom's a preacher's wife, the greatest thing that happened to me is I got saved, born again. I'm thankful to God for that. I don't have time to go on. Here's the investment here is the gospel. This is what it represents. That the nobleman going away actually is Jesus. It's illustrative of Jesus. He's telling his disciples, I'm going away, but I'm coming again to receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also, John 14. And the money is illustrative of the gospel. One of the reasons we know it's the gospel is because each one of them got the same amount, right? So also when we receive the gospel, does God give the gospel unevenly? Nope. Everybody's able to receive it. Everybody gets saved the same way, and everybody gets the same result, heaven as our home for eternity. Amen? What a blessing. What a privilege. So it's even, and the money here, the the pound that the nobleman gives is a representation of the gospel. Listen, you and I, let me apply this, you and I, you know what we really are? I've been talking, talking to my church about this. It just has impacted me in the last year. Do you know what you and I really are? I know that's a wide-open question. Do you know what we really are? What are we? We're Buckeye fans. Oh, that's so trivial. Amen? And it doesn't really always work out fair because we got cheated on that scoop and score. We should have won. All right. Just get that off our chest, my chest right now. We got cheated out of that game. And I hate Clemson. How many of you hate Clemson? No, just kidding. We know we hate the team up north, but we hate Clemson too now. But we're Buckeyes. No. What are we? Well, I'm, I'm a Clayton. You know what? Whatever you might put in there pales in comparison to the fact that, you know what you and I really are? We're an investment by God in time. Did you ever think of that? How did you come to be? The same way all of us came to be. God fashioned us in our mother's womb. Cells coming together. Is that amazing? 
and growing into a child in the mother's womb with a heartbeat. And then when we're born, we take a breath and God has placed within us the breath of life. And man became a living soul, right? You know what we are? We're an investment by God. Let me ask you something. How much does God care about the whales and the fish and the birds and the animals and the earth? You know how much God cares about that? Nothing. Nothing. One of these days, God's going to burn it up. They talk about global warming. That's coming. That's coming. First Peter chapter 3, you think the Bible talks about it will be melted with a fervent heat. God didn't care anything about that. You know what he cares about? You and me. He made us like unto himself. The only part of creation that God did. And you and I are an investment by God in time. Lost or saved, we're an investment by God in time. Time is something God made, right? He, he created a beginning and an ending. He created the sunrise and the sunset. He created the circumference, the, the, the earth rotating around the sun and the earth rotating itself on its axis. He created all that time and He invested you and me in it. You're an investment by God in time. Just like the nobleman issued to his servants a pound, so also God has invested in us in time and given us that are saved the gospel, another great investment, not only our creation of us and the ability to reason and think and to communicate like no other part of God's creation, He's invested the gospel in us. We've received it, thank God. And now you and I have the opportunity to take the investment and do something with it. That's the preparation. The nobleman said to his servants, I'm leaving, I'm going away, here's a pound, do something with it, I'm coming back. What a privilege it is to have that and to be that, to be a part of the investment. Notice, secondly, his business, and I'm going to hurry I'm taking a long time. Forgive me on these points. But his servants were to do business with the investment. The one that did not use it was reprimanded for wrapping it in a napkin and folding it so that he wouldn't lose it so that he could give it back to the nobleman and he was reprimanded. He was uh, uh, criticized for that, punished for it. The other two invested it well. The one took the pound and made ten out of it. The other one took the pound and made five out of it. They were praised for what they did. We as believers are to take what God has invested in us, not only life, but now the gospel, and invest it also in this world and make something more out of it than what we have. We're to share the gospel. Amen? We're to share the gospel with other people so that they too can realize the investment God has made in them and receive Christ and become profitable spiritually for the Lord. Not financially, spiritually. That's the illustration. We're to invest it and to make a profit of it. Let me ask you something. Is there anybody in the world that you have influenced for the gospel 
and they have received it and enjoy the gospel as well now? You ever led anybody to Christ? Anybody ever got saved because of you? You know what? That ought to be common for believers. Amen? That we rotate over and over again the gospel to win people to Christ and to have other people get saved as a result of us taking what God has invested in us and multiplying it for the glory of God. That's what we're to do. That's what the nobleman commanded his servants to do, and that's what God commands us to do. Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew 4:19, "Follow me, and I will make you what?" That's exactly right. Fishers of men. Amen. We're not fishers of money. We're not fishers of property. We're not fishers of possessions. We're not fishers of material goods. We're fishers of men. Amen. Say amen right there. Yeah. Amen. amen. We're to win people to Jesus Christ. The only thing that God cares about in this whole stinking world is the souls of men and women, boys and girls, to come to Jesus Christ and be born again. He didn't care about your motorcycles, boats, and cars. Amen? Didn't care about your properties and trees and homes. Didn't care one thing about them. Absolutely uninterested. God wants us to have a building for our church, no doubt, and for us to take care of it, to glorify Him, no doubt. But that's so far beneath what God's real purpose is, it doesn't even compare. Amen? Right. So that's the, that's the business. The business were to trade. The, the business was the servants were to trade or to invest His pound, the gospel, and to make a profit for Him while He was gone. Notice His fairness. Each servant, each servant was given the same amount. And I mentioned that already. This represents that all spiritual gifts are given and that spiritual gifts are given to people who use to serve the Lord and that we're to take what God has invested in us and multiply it. And the gospel is even. You and I all have the gospel. Listen, I don't have a better hold on the gospel than you do. The only thing that I might have more than you do is the experience on how to deliver it. But all of us have the ability to share it. Do we not? Yes. Amen. I, don't have, I don't have more of the gospel in me than you do. Who's saved just like you? Same thing. All of us sinners deserving of hell. Jesus saved us, gave us grace. Thank God for that. Now I'm saved. All of us have now the ability, since we're saved, to share that gospel with other people. We have that responsibility. It's even it's an even playing field yes, yes. on the talent, that, that, that pound, that investment. And notice the commission. The nobleman went on his way, leaving a handful behind and commissioned them to make a profit for him. They were to take serious this investment and make the most of it while they had the chance. The Lord fully expected them to do it, knowing that if they invested the pound, it would reap results. Well, there's a point to talk about. Amen? Every one of those servants that invested their pound reaped results. Listen, every one of you and I that share the gospel reap results. You say, well, I haven't seen any. That doesn't mean it hasn't happened. Amen? Sometimes there's people that hear our testimony, hear us give the gospel, read the tract that we give to them, 
hear the sermon that's preached in the auditorium because we've invited them to come to church, and they may not walk the aisle that day and get saved. They may not pray and receive Christ as their Savior that day, but later on they will. Later on they might. Every one of us gain an investment when we make the investment with the pound. The servants did. The only one that failed was a guy that didn't do anything with it. Right? Oh, how foolish it is for someone to take an opportunity, a treasure, an investment, and to do nothing with it. To sit on it. To just maintain it. That's not what God's called us to do. God condemned the servant, the lazy, the uncaring, the faithless servant for not investing his pound. Notice the inspection that the the Lord came back and inspected what all of them had as a result of his investment. And I'm going to say that to you, that that's going to be the case with us. One of these days, the Lord Jesus is going to return and catch away all of us that are saved up to heaven. I'm excited about that. But there's going to be a day of reckoning when we give an account of what we've done with the investment that God made in us. We're going to give an account. You listening? You with me? There's a day of reckoning coming for us. Now, it's not like we're going to be condemned to go to hell because we didn't share the gospel. We've already been saved. That's taken care of. Thank God for that. This is talking about rewards. Jesus said, Occupy till I come. Do something with what I've given you while I'm gone because I'm coming back. Amen? Amen. I'm excited about the Lord's return. But listen, those Christians that have done nothing with the gospel ought to be a little bit scared of the Lord's return because judgment day is coming. Again, I'm not saying you're going to go to hell for it, but you're going to lose the reward. Listen, salvation is free and even for every one of us. I've been talking about that, right? The gospel. It's free and even for every one of us. If you've repented and trusted Christ as your Savior, you're going to get to enjoy heaven for eternity. Every one of us. Thank God for that. But the rewards are not even. You do not see, some people think, well, we're all going to enjoy mansions and great rewards in heaven. Not everybody. They're going to enjoy heaven for eternity, the abode of God. That's awesome. But not everybody's going to receive the same rewards. Some people, what they've done in this life, the Bible says, is going to burn up. God's going to try it by fire. And because it was physical, material things, not worthwhile, not uh, valuable to God, God's going to burn it up. There's others that have invested and made a profit spiritually for God with the gospel. And that, the fire will refine. Like gold and silver is refined by fire, so also rewards in heaven will be tested by fire. And if they've then been done for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the gospel, they'll shine. They'll be multiplied. There will be in heaven who enjoy some who enjoy great reward, others who enjoy little reward. That's the story in the illustration, is it not? The one guy invested his pound and got back ten pounds. The other guy invested his pound and got five, and the reward was that the guy with ten was a ruler over ten cities. And the guy with five was a ruler over five cities. 
and the guy that did do nothing with it, he lost it all. No cities. I don't know about you, but I want reward from God, don't you? I want something to enjoy in heaven. I want to earn eternal rewards. I want, the Bible says that where moth and rust doth not corrupt, where thieves and Democrats don't break through and steal. Amen? (laughs) This is a conservative area. I can get away with that. (laughs) I want an investment that will gain eternal reward. And that's what God offers us. God offers you that. You have the opportunity. You say, I'm not very good at investments. Listen, you don't have to have much knowledge with this one. All you have to know is Romans 3, 23, 6, 23, 5, 8, 10, 9, and 10, 13, and you're on your way. Matter of fact, you don't even have to know all that. You can know John 3, 16 and say, listen, I don't know all about it, but I know what Jesus did for me, changed my life. He came for you too. Amen. 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 And so we're an investment. And God, the inspection is coming. The day when you're examined by God for what you've done with His investment is coming. Make me coming soon. Again, I want to say, we're an investment in time. You know what? Time is short. Right? The only time that you have to earn investment for yourself, for reward, for God, is in this life, not the next one. You say, well, when I get to heaven, I'll do something for God then. God knows I just got to survive right now. No, God knows that you're squandering the opportunity you have right now. You're more interested in your interests than God's interests. This life, this is it. This is the opportunity that we have to earn reward in heaven. Notice his value. There's no failure on the part of the pound. Everyone that invested it made a profit. No one lost their profit or their investment. Notice lastly, all right, I'm finishing up. The opposition. There were some who were not servants and did not want this man to reign over us. Right? Remember that? They said, we'll not have this man to reign over us. What happened to them at the end? They were slain. The nobleman said, bring those people and slay them before me. He said, whoa, that's vicious. You know why? You know what the illustration shows us? That those who don't receive Jesus Christ as their Savior will spend eternity in hell. Just like the Bible says. Repeatedly, over and over again, Jesus talked about hell more than he did heaven. And repeatedly, even in this illustration, it lines up with what Jesus Christ had been saying, that those without Christ will spend eternity in hell. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody to spend eternity in hell. I want the devil to be down there by himself, which he won't be, but I'd like to rescue a few more people out of Mercer County in this area, wouldn't you? Amen. How about some of your family and friends and loved ones, right? Yes. Neighbors, co-workers. Listen, we have the opportunity to share the gospel with them and rescue them out of eternal hell. The Bible shows us in this illustration that those that reject the gospel, those that reject a nobleman who will not have him reign over them will be slain. So also those that reject the gospel will suffer eternity in hell. I don't want that for anybody. God doesn't either. 1 Peter 3, 9, the Bible says He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the key is repentance. Amen? They must repent of their sins and their religion, their own good works, and trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. 
That's what Victory Gospel Crusade is all about. That's what Calvary Chapel in Minster is all about. That's what Salina Baptist Temple is all about. That's what you and I ought to be all about. Amen? It's winning people to Christ, sharing the gospel, taking the investment that God has made in us. Let me ask you something. Does God care anything about forklift trucks? Crown manufacturing forklift trucks? Or Hondas? Or corn, beans, and wheat? Nope. Doesn't care much about them at all. But He cares about you. And He cares about lost people all over this community. All over this area. And that's the illustration Jesus was saying. One day Jesus is coming back. Are you a good investment by Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed.